This week on the Tykeens podcast, we explore labor productivity and how it doesn't equal energy efficiency. This is the podcast to help you make the right decisions for yourself and your family. Welcome back to the Tykeens podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about labor productivity and how it doesn't equal energy efficiency. Now, there's a lot of ideas kind of circling around what uh, labor productivity is and what the ills of it could be. Um, and I'll take my headphones out here because um, they're not necessary. I don't need to listen to myself. One of the biggest ills um, labor productivity is kind of the claim against it is that it is pushing down the wage share of income over time. Um, and I kind of dispute that. Really, what I think um, is that the wage share going down over the last 50 years is really the rise of the financial system. And so the financial system is earning a bigger share of the income coming from the firm sector. The firm sector then, of course, has to balance that somewhere, and that uh, happens to be in wages. But what, what is labor productivity? Um, so essentially, labor productivity is, is uh, an individual can produce more um, in, a, let's say, a day period, can produce more output. Um, and what this allows is it allows the economy to grow so we can open up new sectors, new industries, and workers can go work um, in those sectors, given that the population isn't growing as fast as productivity. So what is productivity? What is labor productivity? Well, essentially what it is, is energy consumption. So there's talk, you know, uh, um, you know, in, in, in trying to solve the problem with CO2 emissions, we can innovate our way out of it. Um, unfortunately, innovation requires more energy use. Um, and even if we innovate to a point where our energy is coming entirely from green technology, the amount of materials in order to transition from that is immense. Absolutely fucking immense. It's not going to be an easy task to transition. Not at all. And another aspect of that is just because we're transi transitioning to uh, non-CO2 emitting energy sources doesn't mean we're, we're going to stop using as much. That is a critical issue. That is a boundary that we're truly facing. You know, whether we go to solar panels or nuclear that all requires material and waste and damage to the biosphere. So green, the, the whole green thing, it's, it's one small, small part of the puzzle. 
but it's certainly in isolation. It actually could exasperate things. And I'm talking from a material standpoint and pollutions in general, not just CO2. Now back to labor productivity, you might be asking, well, how does, how does labor productivity equal increases in energy use? Um, if the labor productivity comes from the mind, the innovations of the mind. Well, the human body can produce, I, I think it's around 100 watts a day in output. Anything beyond that, is, it comes from um, external energy sources. And in this case, in our societies, that's mostly fossil fuel. Okay? So you'll say, okay, what? Well, but the idea, the idea of the innovation came from the brain. Okay. So in modern societies, people that are innovative, do they just kind of kick rocks on the ground, you know, sit underneath the apple tree and wait for the apple to fall? Or do they use technology to innovate? Computers, industrial machines. Do you see what I'm saying? Even the idea of innovating requires more energy. Once the idea is settled and the technology is developed, the worker now has a new tool they can be more productive. That new tool is purely more energy. The human body isn't putting out any more energy. The technology is putting out, is using more energy. That's a major problem. You got to really fucking think about this. We plan, this is, this is the, the mainstream narrative. And by no means is it, you know, the, the real scientists understand this. The mainstream narrative um, to try to integrate climate change and we're doing things about it is we're going to innovate our way out of it. How are you going to do that if innovation requires more energy? They'll say, well, we're going to transition to green energy, nuclear, solar, wind, tidal, etc., etc. Now, in order to do that, Think about that transition physically. Think about it for a second. The batteries. So basically, all the uh, lithium comes from two countries right now. Two countries. So what are we going to do? Destroy those two fucking third world countries. That's what we'll do. That's not progress. You know, that's just more destruction. That's more destruction on the biosphere. And as those, as those resources that we need for these new green technologies become harder to extract, more energy intensive to extract, that's just going to damage the biosphere even more. I'm not trying to catastrophize our situation, but we had a chance about 50 years ago to do something like this. We had the technology then, whether it was nuclear, and I know I understand nuclear from a political perspective isn't viable across the world. So you nuclear nuts out there, good luck on, on bringing in the nuclear age. Think about the, the third world countries. How do they manage a nuclear program for power? 
politically in an international community in this day and age. Not fucking likely. I really, I'm not trying to catastrophize, but we had a chance. You know, a time when our energy use wasn't so all-encompassing. Everything we do now, today, requires energy. From our little phones, to our laptops, to me doing this podcast, and vidcast, and running my Patreon, patreon.com slash Support my research there, please. You can find me on Twitter, too. More energy on Twitter. I use Twitter, so that's more energy. Twitter, at Tykeens. YouTube, at Tykeens. All of it is energy-driven. We didn't have that in the 1970s. We had other ways to get our media across. But we have integrated into a world where we need energy to communicate, to essentially survive. Humans are are social creatures. We have now adapted social media as our uh, mainly our main use, even with families. We go on Facebook to communicate, right? We're in a fuckload of trouble. We had a chance. Do I still have hope? Yeah. Do I think we get there to that future where we don't blow up this fucking planet? Where we don't destroy the biodiversity? Where our houses aren't flooding every season? Yeah. But it's going to be a fucking hard road because we wasted too much time and there's no quick fixes. Productivity is just more energy use. We base our success on going faster and faster and faster. Look at GDP, exponential growth. More and more and more and more. What's GDP? Produce people producing more and more and more and more. And generally, with the population not keeping up. So what does that require? Labor productivity. What does labor productivity need? Energy. More and more and more energy. More and more and more resources. We're in a tough bind. You know, I've been attacked, you know, when I, when I, I put this argument forward um, with nuclear. For one, it's not politically viable. It's a great idea. It would solve the world's problem if we knew how to manage its waste. We mustered the resources. We diverted resources from other fuckery, wasteful fuckery, and we built nuclear plants. And we, we managed as an international community to deal with the waste, deal with the political issues that surround nuclear power. We all know what those issues are. It'd be great, but it's not going to fucking happen. It's not. It takes a long time to bring nuclear power plants online. So there's a lead time to that. We're kind of running out of time with CO2 emissions. 
and CO2 emissions are just one of the system's boundaries. It is not the last boundary that we need to solve to save our biosphere. It's not. Plastic waste, other air particulates. We waste so much stuff on this fucking planet. We waste it. Maybe that's part of the solution, is we learn how not to waste. And maybe waste isn't obsolence. Okay? So things do wear out. But maybe waste is just simply not producing it for the sake of producing it. No. There's two, and I I did a a blog post a few days ago um, about the material standard of living and the quality quality of life and two different fucking things okay we seem to be heavily invested in the material standard of living as opposed to a quality of life for happiness okay the material standard of living is something external it's things to make you happy the quality of life is your environment that you live in bringing you inner happiness Two very different things. There might need to be that fundamental shift, that philosophical shift in our societies really to tackle our problems. Because we're not going to innovate our, our way out of these problems and keep our material standard of living, right? You're not going to have 16 pairs of shoes. Maybe two are just fine. And while we're at it, we'll make a better pair of shoes so they last longer. Wash your feet so they don't stink. I don't know what to say. Right? Food waste. I'm guilty of it too. We've developed this technology that really enables us to waste. We buy our packaged food, our cold foods, and we put them in our fridge. We just sit them in there. We stock it up. Some of it goes bad. We live in abundance in the Western world. So the idea of somebody in a poor third world country throwing away 30 to 40% of their food um, over 10 years is fucking appalling. But we do that. Maybe that's the true innovation, not fucking wasting shit. Sounds simple, but our whole society is built on just get more, get more. But worry about what, what ha- the, out, the waste, right? The output, get more. It's bad. You know, it's stuff that I sit and ponder, right? My own behaviors. And I wonder, why do I do these things? Why do I, why? I, I see something in the fridge. It's, it's getting a little bit old, okay? It's maybe past a sticker due date, which is bullshit too. I stick my head in the sand. It's easier to go get something new from the store. Is that me individually? Is that my individual problem? I think it's an individual responsibility I need to be more aware of. But I also think from a societal perspective, it's part of the system structure. You know, I saw a tweet, you know, 
a tweet in reply to my blog post. And this blog post was a World 2 model, and specifically it was reducing um, natural resource usage, okay? To try to escape the collapse in the the World 2 model. Didn't work. People still are consuming capital, right? The whole thing, just another system boundary came into play, and it happened to be pollution in that model. Anyways, you know, I've I've lost my train of thought. I always get so frustrated when I don't know if this is therapeutic doing these podcasts for myself or because I want to give people information or just a different systems thinking perspective. I think it's more therapeutic. I think I like to swear a lot. I'm alone right now. My wife's away. Labor, productivity, innovation. Not so good. It's destructive. The real innovation, I think, comes from within ourselves. Changing. Changing the way we see the world. It's about the quality of life, that inner happiness, not what you have. You know, I had an Xbox 360 for about 10 years. And I was really happy. It gave me some quality of life. I was happy with it. You know, I was in the moment playing Grand Theft Auto. Five. That game's come out on three consoles now. I finally had to get um, a PlayStation 4. So there's PlayStation 5s now, but I just finally got a PlayStation 4 so I could play the new Red Dead Redemption 2. So there there are, I think, and there are parts of what is needed in all of us. Um, thrifty parts. So maybe, maybe it's the change that we need is within us. But the structure of our society that we live in needs to change. And that's going to be fucking hard. Because you got a lot of people that make a lot of money that live real good lives and have that material standard of living, and they're not going to want to give that up. They're going to be like, fuck you. Fuck you. I'm not giving that up. You go live in your hippie utopia. I'm not giving that up. A lot of people, not just those people, the people right below them, upper middle class, they want that. They're striving for that. They're not, that's their goal. They're going to be like, fuck you too. So the structure, it's it's really, it's going to be a tough one to overcome. I think uh, the voice of reason could help. You know, I, how do we get people, you know, smart thinkers like Tim Garrett does a lot of work and kind of touches on the area I'm talking about. Look him up, Tim Garrett, right? It's a lot of work in thermodynamics, right? 
Steve Keen. Real economics, uh, real economics touches on some of what I'm talking about. For instance, the declining wage over time. A lot of people out there, but they're not getting the platform that they need. Joe Rogan is. What the fuck is he doing? I want a podcast like him. I wouldn't be talking about what he's talking about. It's getting, the weather's changing year after year. So our first immediate problem is CO2. We're now trying to throw everything at it. Even the mainstreamers, they recognize, you know, our weather's changing. Doesn't just mean you're getting hot all the time. You could be flooding now all the time. The climate is changing. And it's going to change so rapidly, we will not be able to adapt with our infrastructure. That's the problem. This isn't about heat all the time. One aspect of it, there are places, you look at Europe and you look at those rivers, clearly there's a heat problem going on. Where I live, Western Canada, we got some some heat problems here now in the summer. Some areas, though, it's flooding. Monsoon season. Bigger hurricanes. The jet stream changing position. We haven't built our infrastructure for that. So while we're trying to divert all this capital into new green technologies, which we have to do, we can't really address our, our, our infrastructure. Because there is now climate change that is happening. It's not going to stop just because we decided on the idea. Yeah, CO2 emissions. You know what? We're pumping way too much fucking shit in the atmosphere and it's fucking us up. Just because we decide to acknowledge it doesn't mean it now stops. Think about the half-life of CO2 in the atmosphere. Hundreds of years. This is a generational problem now. And and while we're thinking about it, we're still pumping more and more CO2 into the atmosphere. And that's just the first fucking problem. We are going to have resource constraints. One of them just comes to mind, helium. I don't know why I thought about that. But there, uh, about a year ago, I posted on, on Twitter um, the t- table of elements, the ones that were in danger of being completely depleted. That's fucking shocking. That goes beyond CO2. What a complex fucking mess we've got ourselves into. why i like uh system dynamic models like the world two model the world three model um earth for all which is kind of like world four because it's showing these boundaries we live under right and if we think we solved one problem we run smack dab into the next problem the next system boundary 
unfortunate system dynamics isn't more popular. Some of my most popular tweets is putting up plots and graphs from system dynamic models, like world two, world three, economic models that include some sort of environmental aspect. People are interested in that. They're interested in the feedbacks, but it's not widely adopted in the institutions of our society. You got Nordhaus's dice model to damage function saying, well, okay, we can go six degrees Celsius, you know, above pre-industrial temperatures. We'll grow more, more food. And hell, most of our industries inside won't be affected. That's the type of shit. That's the type of science right now that's uh, ruling the mainstream. And of course, if you attack that, you know, they retort, well, where's your science? And you present the science to them, you know, realistic science techniques like system dynamics, exploring the feedbacks in the system. And they essentially call it fucking witchcraft because it doesn't match their narrative. Well, they're saying, fuck me. Guess what, guys? Fuck you. Not my, not, not my listeners. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for all the people that have signed up for my Patreon over the last few days. I was quite shocked by that. But who am I saying fuck you to? Probably Nordhaus. Probably the elite sector that's in power that kind of know, don't want to know, but they kind of know that we face some serious issues. Most of the U.S. government, most of my Canadian government, most Western governments, the departments within it. That's a harsh statement, I know. But geez, it's like I said, we've had 50 years. 50 years since the the limits of growth came out. And we've done fucking nothing. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Ty Keens. Follow my YouTube, at Ty Keens. You can check me out on my website, tykeens.com. That's kind of where I've been aggregating, you know, all of my stuff. I do live streams. I do this podcast. I do a vidcast version. If you're watching this, do all my blogs, which now I end up on Patreon. I have my project, my stock flow, monetary dynamics project. Um, a lot of different things. So I've, it's been a clearinghouse now, this new website, tykeens.com. Check it out. Bookmark it. If you're interested, trying to get this podcast on, you know, all the different, you know, distribution networks, which would be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Spotify. I'm on those now, big ones. We're going to try to put them more and more so you can listen to this podcast on 
the method you like listening to podcasts. Anyways, I'm Ty Keens. I'll see you next week.